The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Welcome back to the fourth and final installment of the Wizards Podcast Guide to Comics, Roger Corman Fantastic Four miniseries. This episode, we bring Adam onto the show to give us his perspective on the movie, as well as we all are going to talk a little bit about our favorite incarnations of the Fantastic Four in comics and movies and so on. There's a lot to be said, really interesting stuff. Enjoy this final segment of the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, and there's a little special extra on the end that you're really going to enjoy. Let's get into it. Greetings, geeks, and welcome to the fourth and final installment of the Wizards Podcast Guide to Comics, Roger Corman Fantastic Four Special. Wow, that was a mouthful. Uh, joining us again is Steven Sapelis, who's here, you know, as sort of like my guru of this film and, and uh, the liaison of this time in history. And as mentioned in one of our other YouTube videos, Adam is here joining us to give us his thoughts on the film as well as other insight. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to dive into some of our favorite Fantastic Four stories of all time. So Stephen, take it away and, you know, kind of give us a brief recap of what's gone on over the last three hours of time. So you mean about the, sh about the movie? Or yeah, the like, you know, what we, what we kind of did, just in case anybody's sure. jumping on this for the first time. So we went through the uh, 1994 unreleased Fantastic Four movie from soup to nuts, from its creation to its uh, never release to our particular takes on it. Uh, and yeah, it was a blast. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. We even covered the documentary. And what I found out from both of you is the documentary corresponding book that goes along with it that, that you both have now I need to purchase for myself as a Christmas present <laughs> for myself. Um, so, Adam, welcome to this uh, two guys from Long Island uh, plus a guy from, from the West Coast expedition here. First, let's, let's just ask you, like, what are your thoughts about this particular film? All right. Well, so obviously, you know, I heard about it for years. I remember going into a supermarket and seeing a comic scene magazine. They had this little picture of the thing on it, I think, in just one corner. And I was like, what is this? So I'm flipping through. I'm like, oh, the Fantastic Four is a movie now? So I was tracking it. I was paying attention to it. And then, you know, as the years went on and it didn't come out, I kind of let it go for my brain. Uh, and of course, uh, it was one of those things where I heard about the bootlegs when I would go to conventions, but I just never, the curiosity didn't quite reel me in all the way to say I'm going to spend 20 bucks on a bootleg tape, right? <laughs> Not like Steven. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. I, oh, yeah. I would have, I would have given thousands for a bootleg tape. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up like years later when the news got out, it's on this thing called YouTube now. You can watch it. I watched like the first 20 minutes and then life happened and I stepped away, you know, that was like a decade ago and I haven't, you know, watched a frame of it since. 
months. But I did watch the Doomed documentary because okay. I always wanted to know the whole behind the scenes history. That was fascinating. I watched it multiple times. I just, I, I enjoy it so much. But uh, so for me, like the Fantastic Four movie was a curiosity, but not a have to figure it out. So I didn't watch it all the way until preparation for my appearance on this show. Hey, it's good to be a guest on my own show, you know? <laughs> um, I'm not the expert here on this. Um, so but this is what I walked away from, right? It's the heavy, heavy reputation and the rumor for so many years, right? It's so bad they wouldn't release it. It was so bad, Marvel didn't want you to see it. And obviously we know that was not the reason it was not released. But as I watched it, I was like, you know what? This is a competent film. This is a, an even tone to this film. Like everybody, with the exception of Jay Underwood, who is off the charts. He is a little crazy as Johnny Storm. But everybody else to me is like, they're, they're putting in decent performances. And I thought, you know, when you're saying, take it from the comic page to the screen, they did it. Like they gave us what, yeah, that's we, what we said. Same thing, had, like, in my opinion, had it been made, say, you know, 30, 25 years before, we would have been like, what an accomplishment. This is amazing. Right. Because it was the dawn of CG and all this other stuff. It's kind of like it gets a harder harder uh, harsher criticism so i i really enjoyed it my i actually convinced my wife to watch it with me and she she like she didn't have any negative things to say about it you know she was just like hmm, that, that was a film you know? <laughs> <laughs> highly critical of all superhero movies no criticism of this film. i mean you know steven and i said it but it's one of those things where it's good enough that they could have released it as a made for tv movie Yes. Sure. If, if it wasn't going to get a theatrical release, I mean, it could have easily been thrown at a, you know, VOD or, or made-for-TV movie or miniseries type of a thing they could have done, you know, at some point, but who knows, whatever. It's all about money sometimes. So, so you saw the, the entirety of the documentary before you watched the film. Yeah. Did, what did you find more interesting? The actual behind the scenes of what really went on or the movie itself? Uh, I think for me, I, I really do enjoy the documentary a little bit more. It's a little bit more dynamic mm -hmm. than the movie. You know, like the movie, like the one thing my wife did say, she's like, that thing costume is great. I'm like, it is. It's yeah. awesome. Um, you know, so like the, there, there are these high points of the movie where you're just like, wow, I love whenever this is happening. But like overall, it's a, it's a, it feels a little slow in some parts, but then it gets wacky and you're like, okay, this is ridiculous and funny. My favorite part is when the jeweler is like, pick a hand and smacks that guy. Like that's, that's comedy, that's great. <laughs> so I bet, yeah, I would definitely, I would watch Doomed again before I went back to watch the movie again. I feel like I've seen it, I get it, but the, I don't need to like nitpick every detail of this movie. And I, I feel like I want to hear more behind the scenes. That's why your coverage of reading every book ever written, every magazine article, every little detail that was ever released, like that's what I want to know. So that's why this series is so exciting to me. I was like, I don't want to participate. I want it to be a surprise for me as I listen all the way through. Okay, yeah. Makes sense, makes sense. I also was wondering, you know, I wonder if there was deleted scenes as well. Like there had to have been something they cut out of the script that would have been interesting to have in there because I mean, again, this is 
not necessarily would have been the final cut if the film was actually going to have been released. It was, you know, one dub of one cut. Who knows what version of it is? You know, people, when they do editing, do 15 passes of a movie to make changes and so on and so forth. So I'm always curious, like, what else could have been there? And it, is the film burned? Is it in an archive somewhere? That's really fascinating to me, you know? Yeah, in terms of deleted scenes, uh, in the book Forsaken, there's an interview with Glenn Garland. And I'm, I think that very little that was shot did not end up in the movie. Okay. And I mean, that's just kind of the Roger Corman school of filmmaking. You got to get it to 90 minutes no matter what. Right. You got to use everything you have. And, you know, there's, there's that scene when uh, Ben transitions back to the thing. Mm. You know, he's in that alleyway. And, and they're he, using he grows shots. taller. <laughs> yes. But they're using shots from like, you know, the, the post-rocket ship crash transformation. You know, you see those same shots over and over again. Uh, so it, they, they used what they had, it seems like. That's cool. That's interesting. Okay, good to know. Now so, one, yeah, go ahead. The question I had as I'm watching it, though, is so the jeweler just wanted the crystal because it was a big jewel, right? Like, he didn't have any other designs on it. He's like, I can't use this for something. I just steal jewels, so yes. I want it, right? Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> but then... Where did the jewel come from that Reed, you know, and, and uh, Victor were using, like, initially, the real jewel before it was swapped out? Like, where did that come from? That was the part I didn't find the details on, if they were there. You know, we, we did this a lot when we talked about it. We tried to look for these logic holes. I just think you got to go with it sometimes <laughs> yeah. in this movie. It ended up on the cutting room floor or in the script, and they said, well, we... Michael. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, they, 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 got, they got you there. They, they got you to space. That's all that it really took. <laughs> they got you to space. They crashed. So now let's talk about some of our favorite Fantastic Four stories of all time. And Stephen, as our guest and our you know liaison of Fantastic Four and our most knowledgeable Fantastic Four friend, you go first. So uh, it's funny because Adam has the comic right behind him, the exact comic that was my first comic. It was Fantastic Four 374, uh, which I'd heard about from kids in middle school that there was a new Fantastic Four team that was Spider-Man, the Hulk, Ghost Rider, and Wolverine. And that kind of drew me in. I, I was thinking, oh, that sounds really cool. And then what, you know, what really made me a diehard Fantastic Four fan was Fantastic Four 381, which was the death of Reed Richards and Dr. Doom. And this particular issue, I missed it when it was on stands because it was such a hot issue that it sold out immediately. So I had to go to comic book conventions on Long Island. I ended up at one at either it was Fun Zone or Discovery Zone. It was in the back <laughs> room there. And, you know, you know, when you were a kid and you had, you know, whatever you had, 10 to $20 to go to the comic book convention, I had 10 bucks. I walk in, I see it on the shelf and I say, how much for this? And she said 10 bucks. And there was every dollar I had to spend at that convention. And in two minutes I was done. I just had to walk around with my friends as they got their particular issues. But basically after that issue, I became, you know, I started to subscribe to every issue. And yeah, here's one of the first subscription issues that I got. Uh, and what they did was they let Reed Richards be dead for a while. Mm-hmm. And they brought in replacement members. They brought in Ant-Man. Uh, they had this whole storyline where Franklin Richards comes from the future. Was that and Fantastic Force? He was part was, of that team? 
it was like Fantastic Three for a while, and then they started to. They, it was still called Fantastic Four, okay. culminating in Four Hundred, which has like kind of a little funeral for Reed Richards. Oh, kind of a funeral for a friend, <laughs> if, you thing, <laughs> if, if you will. If you if you will. Uh, and so, yeah, and what I really liked about that storyline, uh, and I had said in the first uh, episode that it was Ralph Macchio storyline, he was the editor, Tom DeFalco and Paul Ryan did the pencils and the stories. Uh, and I like that they put Sue in the lead. You know, Sue became the de facto leader of the team. And I, I thought that was a really cool dynamic. Uh, this is also the era when Sue had this crazy uh, suit. Yeah. Which... Uh, Take it or leave it, but I thought it was great. I was in middle school, uh, and and yeah, so that was that was when I was most deep into Fantastic Four, which coincided with the release to non-release of the actual movie. Uh, but in terms of what's the best Fantastic Four storyline, I don't. So I've got this uh, Fireside book, this 1970s series. I don't think it gets any better than the Galactus storyline. Uh, which introduced Silver Surfer. I think if you put comic book stories on, a, on like the Mount Rushmore, I'd put that up there with Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, uh, all those. And it was also recreated in Marvel's number three. That's what I was going to say. That interpretation, I think, just heightens that story even even more. Just the dynamic. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's beautiful. That's like the most... Yeah. It's such a beautiful rendition of that. But yeah, if you... Uh, there, there, there we go. Hmm. Uh, I think this is the premier collaboration between Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Um, as yeah, everyone knows, you know, Stan Lee came to Jack Kirby with a concept and Jack Kirby just invented the silver server out of thin air. Uh, <laughs> it just goes to show the way they work and, and uh, you know, what came out of the Marvel method. Yeah. Steven, you might be interested to know in the podcast realm, there was an audio drama called Marvel's. I don't know if you listened to it. it was, I think no. it was on Stitcher Premium, so you probably couldn't just find it right now. But it, what it was was like, what was Ben Urich doing during Marvels and the aftermath of the Galactus saga? And everybody like on the ground believing it was a hoax. And it's like all these interviews, like people try to get an interview with the thing and Sue and Jody and all this stuff and all these reporters. So it's a really interesting take on it. It's kind of like what was going on even more ground level in the Marvel's universe, you know? So. That's, that sounds amazing. That sounds incredible. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, this is just one of those oddballs. And I know, uh, Adam, you're a big fan of this series. Fantastic Four 2099. Not great, but man, this hologram, tinfoil, whatever the hell <laughs> cover is a lot of fun. So <laughs> that's, you know, when I talk about Fantastic Four, when I think about Fantastic Four, that run from like 93 to 95 is my favorite. So yeah, that's that's where I stand with the team. So I'm gonna jump in because I have to jump off, and I'm gonna make Adam the host. This way, he can end it when it's done. But I, I only have really, you know, I, I love most of the entire Hickman run. Was kind of my favorite. Most of the stuff that I've read of Fantastic Four was all Hickman stuff. But Fantastic Four number six hundred is really my favorite. I it's somewhere in my house. I I will put a picture up in the video and we'll share it. But honestly. One of my favorite stories of recently is Secret Wars 2 because it really revolves around the Fantastic Four and uh, Doctor Doom basically reinvents the universe and puts all, all the different multiverses of Marvel on one planet and kind of like a battle world sort of a thing. 
and Sue is married to him, and you know his uh, their children are kind of like soldiers of doom. But then different versions of Reed come to this you know secret war wars battle world and save everybody. But the the way to fix the universe is the Fantastic Four have to disappear and leave forever, and they go off into other realms, and they're and now they're making other universes. And it's a really cool story. Like people don't necessarily love it that much. I really love that. Yeah, Michael. Wars I, this was one of my attempts to get back into modern comics. I bought the first five issues. I hated each one more no, than re- I read. Really? It's been a lead weight in my log box for years. I'm just like, will somebody please take these? Like, I don't. If anybody out there wants them, you can have my Secret Wars comics, Michael. If you want extra copies, I just. <laughs> I could not get into it. It sounded so cool, and then it wasn't. And so I was so disappointed. You know, some of the... But the thing is, there's a lot of tie-in books, and I was buying all the tie-ins as well, and that really kind of sewed it all together. But then the last two issues are fantastic, unfortunately. I was going to say, I should have stayed to the end. Those tie-in issues with the Secret Wars, like, Mattel card, like, action figure covers, those were awesome. I loved that. Now, that that would have been a variant I should have bought, you know? That's okay. So, so listen, anyway, fellas, I have to run. Um, I, I have a boatload of editing to do, and i got to dive back into my computer to, to finish doing that. But, Adam, you and Steven can finish you know, your stuff that is your favorite Fantastic Four stories and then bring us home, and then this journey of the Fantastic Four Roger Corman project will be over, and then we'll go into something new. Maybe we're going to go into Meteor Man. Maybe we'll go into my favorite... Blank man. And Steven also mentioned today to me, maybe we'll talk about steel at some point. So let's see what happens. <laughs> well, I was right. watching it. It's, it's, it's something special. <laughs> it's something special. All right. All right, fellas. Well, off you go soon. into the negative zone. All right. Bye. I will tell you right now, I have not seen the part where Adam gives his thoughts because I had to leave early during this Zoom call. So I'm going to be as surprised as you are when I see what has to be said. All right. Well, how about that? Uh, Steven, I came here as a guest on your four-part series. I've been promoted to host. I'm very excited. Well, <laughs> you, are, you are a herald of Michael now. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll get into my experience with the Fantastic Four here. My initial exposure was in the Marvel Jumbo Fud book which I think they used to release these as like individual magazines and then they collected them all in one giant book. And I got this at a garage sale. I was like three or four Marvel jumbo fun book. And it had a section in here that was devoted to the fantastic four. Okay. So it says here, sorry, I had it bookmarked initially, but it says focus on the fantastic four. You can see my wonderful color jobs there. On That's the great. Hulk, Sue. Um, but it has lots of different activities, you know, for all to enjoy. So you can have like, you know, draw the crags of rocks on the thing. <laughs> you want to do that. Uh, but there's another in particular kind of cool deal here. Big Ben's true or false. Okay. Oh, wow. Let me see wow. if I can close you here. Okay. So this is what it's asking all true or false questions. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's a softball. Ben Grimm was struck by cosmic rays. True or false? True. Okay. Uh, now here's here's one. 
Hulk and Thing fought the FF. So Hulk and Thing fought the Fantastic Four. I would say that's false. That is false, at least according to what is filled out here. Uh, <laughs> as of that time period, too, yes, we'll, we'll say. Uh, Lord knows what's happened since then. Ben is godfather to Franklin Richards. That is true. Yes. Okay. And uh, here's a fun one. Once married to Thundra. Wait, is that a true or a false? Uh, that is actually a false in this case. Oh, okay. Okay. And, uh, last one here. His full name is Benjamin H. Grimm. That's true. false. What is That's it? false. Benjamin J. Grimm. There you go. There you go. Come on. We're having fun here. So, but that obviously not a story, not a Fantastic Four tale. Now, I have behind me here some issues featuring She-Hulk when she joined the team. Personally, I don't have an interest in the Fantastic Four. Really, the only issue I bought was the same one you did, Stephen. So it, it was I, a great I, cover, that cover. And then I started going in the back issue bins, and the only ones that ever interested me, I was like, She-Hulk was on the team? She-Hulk is punching the thing in the face and knocking him through the wall. Like, there was lots of fun stuff. And I've gone back and read her stuff as an Avenger. Not interested. John Byrne, She-Hulk, Fantastic Four. That's how I like it. Um, But as far as actual Fantastic Four stories, Earth X by Alex Ross uh, in, uh, what was this, Jim Kruger? Is that his name? I got to look this up here. Give him his due. Yeah, Jim Kruger. Mm-hmm. So this is like a full series. They did like Earth X, they did Universe X, they did Paradise X. It was very long. And it was kind of an alternate history future, what could be for the Marvel Universe. And in this, it tells the story of an older, you know, white hair, Sue and Reed, and everybody's mm-hmm. still the Fantastic Four, but Franklin has joined the team and they end up in this battle where Doom and Namor have teamed up and Doom's got Namor all riled up, right? He's trying to mess up the world powers so that he can take over. And so in this fight, Namor breaks Johnny's neck. Then Franklin gets so angry, he sets half of Namor's body on fire. He just says, I wish that you would burn forever. They will never stop. So literally, like, his half of his body is just on fire forever for the whole series. Like, Oh, my. Yeah. That's crazy. It's intense. And then Sue, wanting revenge for Johnny's death, goes after Doom. And he had, like, this bomb in his armor that malfunctions and kills both of them. So now it's just Reed and Franklin and Ben. And so, like, Reed just disappears. He goes, he lives in Latveria in Doom's castle. He wears Doom's armor. He's ah. long beard and white hair. And he's just like, he lives amongst the Doom bots and a hologram of Sue. He just stares longingly at. And he's trying to figure out, you know, number one, all his, you know, his, his most beloved is dead. But also, like, they had set up these towers that they thought were going to be a free energy source for the world. And now everybody in the world has superpowers in this universe. And it's, like, creating a lot of chaos. So he thinks it might have been his fault. Maybe the energy source got out through a mishap and caused problems. So he goes throughout the whole story. It's really interesting. But the best, the reason I love it is it has the best use of his stretching abilities, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And you can tell me if this ever came up in the regular series. Okay. At one point, the Inhumans, you know, Black Bolt, Medusa, everybody come to him and they say the Terrigen Mists 
were actually released on Earth. So there are a whole bunch of inhumans in addition to all these other mutants and other people who have gotten powers. We need you to help us find who the inhumans are. So he stretches his brain to the same size and shape of Professor Xavier so he can access the telepathic abilities and puts on Cerebro and then he uses it to find inhumans. Okay. See, I maybe it's happened. I've never heard of that before. That's crazy. It's awesome. And then like the best part is at the very end, after like all these trials and all these different things they go through throughout the series for years, they eventually make it so he chops off his arm. And because his body is malleable, Alicia sculpts Sue out of his arm. And through this other character's abilities, they're able to imbue her uh, soul back. They bring her soul back and put it into the body and Reed and Sue are reunited. That's an epic story. It's been, oh, fantastic. Well, obviously. I, I've got to check that out. I didn't even know that existed. That's crazy. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite Fantastic Four story of all time. Wow, that's, that's intense. That's really intense. So this is my last question for you, Stephen, as we wrap up this whole series and we're talking about Fantastic Four. Uh, what is, would you say, the most extreme... Uh, you know, maybe with the movie, maybe with something else, the most extreme measure you've taken as a fan of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> you How mean besides, besides, uh, you know, dedicating my life for four years <laughs> to tracking down a copy of the bootleg? Uh, that was probably the most, most extreme thing I've done. Oh, I think this came up on the last podcast. Uh, when, the, when the 20 or 2005 Fantastic Four movie came out, I again got super excited because I couldn't wait to see my favorite team on the big screen. And I, I, you know, I, I was working, I had a job, I was an adult who graduated college and I basically took a very long lunch break as in like a four hour lunch break and waited in line at a New York comic book store to meet the cast of the fantastic four and get them to sign my poster. Wow. And it was, a, and it was a total like kind of ruse and they, uh, basically, they said all like five cast members would be there: the Fantastic Four plus Julian McFan, who played Doctor Doom. And then you get there, and they're like, "Well, we didn't say all five at the same time." And so Jessica Alba had gone. Uh, of she got me Johan, the first one out of there. Yes. <laughs> and then Johan Griffith and uh, and uh, Julian McMahon were doing press in the back. And so I got to meet Michael Chiklis and Chris Evans, which was still pretty cool. I would say, ultimately, of that cast, those are the two guys you want to meet, right? Because you know Michael Chiklis loved the thing so mm -hmm. much. And Chris Evans, obviously, his legacy, you know, beyond that. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. And so Michael Chiklis was cool. I talked to him about the Three Stooges movie where he played Curly. And then Chris Evans was, like, talking to someone. And then he looks at me and goes, hey, what's up? And then he signed my poster. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and off we went. I'm trying to think of other things I've done for my love of the fan four. Hmm. It's a really good question. I mean, I would say, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good one. At least, you know, meeting the, the crew there, getting to know some of the cast. You know, what was one thing, and this is kind of an aside, but uh, so it was 2007, the Silver Surfer movie had just come out uh, and I hated it. I hated it so much. And at the time, I had, like I had, was I had sold the show with my friends, and we were walking down the street in Los Angeles, and from a distance, a very long distance, I saw two old men walking towards us, and I said, 
oh my God, that's Stan Lee. So one of the old guys was Stan Lee. And it just so happened that one of the people I was walking with, who was my manager at the time, he had worked with Stan Lee in the past. And he said to me, do you want to meet him? And I said, yes, like my whole <laughs> life. And so we walked up there and he introduced us to Stan Lee. And Stan, and Stan Lee was walking with another, with, another, like with another old guy. And he said, uh, oh, this is my cousin, Mel Stewart. He directed Willy Wonka. And so I not only got to meet Stan Lee, but I got to meet the director of Willy Wonka. And I would say the entire time he was talking to me and like kind of being so nice and so gracious, in my head, I wanted to say, you deserve better than that. Sorry. You deserve better than that crappy Silver Surfer movie. And I like my brain was just like screaming it at me just to say this to him, say that he deserved better. Tell him how great that Galactus storyline was. And I fought every fiber of my being to not say a negative thing about the Silver Surfer movie. So that was, as a diehard Fantastic Four fan, that was one weird situation I found myself in. Well, that, that's a fantastic way yeah, to, to meet the creator of the Fantastic Four just walking down the street. That's because you would imagine that would happen in one of the comics, right? Stan's just walking down the street, having a conversation. They run into him. So I will say for me, obviously, I'm not the biggest Fantastic Four fan. But one thing that did happen in high school, I had a band uh, and I, you know, we wrote music, we had a great time. And when that ended, I was like, I want to come up with a new concept for a band. I never put it into action, but I wrote a lot of songs for it. And it was going to be a comic book themed band. So all the songs, you know, I wrote a song about Resurrection Man and the Ray and the Hulk and all this stuff. Um, but one song I wrote, which was probably my favorite song I've written outside of my Madman song that I've shared in the, in the past, um, is a song called Invisible that's about Reed and Sue's relationship. So what I will do is I'll, I'll send that to you so you can take a listen and we'll tack it on to this episode for anybody who's interested. You want a little love that's ballad awesome. about Reed and Sue. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I have one question for you Yeah. as we go into this. clearly. I think this is the best adaptation of the Fantastic Four, best film adaptation. They've tried several times. They can't get it right. Yeah. It seems like now it's going into the MCU in some capacity. What would be your ideal version of seeing the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, I mean, I guess the, the way I look at it is that if you try to do the origin from the very beginning, like the way it was originally planned, it's not going to work. You know, try to beat the commies into space. That's just not going to work anymore. But there's so much cosmic stuff that has happened at this point in the MCU that I totally see, you know, Reed being contracted to go do some investigation and bring it along everybody that has various skills involved. You know, it's not just the girlfriend and her little brother and his best <laughs> buddy from college. Like there's a reason everybody would be there. They're part of a unit that has done, you know, this work, you know, to, uh, to help people, whatever, you know, make sure a portal never opens up again over New York or whatever it is. And then they, they maybe open it on accident, and travel through, and then they get the cosmic rays. Like that's, that's how I can see like the origin working. And then I like the idea of, you know, you, you, cause we, like you say, we've seen it so many times. So mm -hmm. like, me, like, you know, make a few tweaks like the MCU does. They always make little improvements here and there, but they work and they, they feel like they, you know, they can tie into the mythology we're, we're already used to. So I would be totally okay because I'm not so precious. But number one, in, you know, after that first film, 
She-Hulk is getting made on Disney+. Plus. Eventually, you put her onto the team. That's all I'm saying. Get She-Hulk in a Fantastic Four costume, you know, trade and banter with Ben or whatever's going to happen, and I'll be happy. That would be awesome. That would be really cool. All right. Well, you know, thank you, Stephen, for taking us on this journey. I mean, man, I'm so excited uh, for everybody that has gotten a chance to listen to this. And maybe, you know, you, maybe you saw the documentary, but this went beyond even the documentary, just like Stephen has spent his life in, in study of all of this. So again, thank you. Thank you for always being a, a cool part of our uh, Wizards family here. And so with that, we want to invite you all, make sure if you're not subscribed at this point, subscribe, because this is the place to be. So much more fun comics content going to the past, giving you that 90s perspective. And uh, of course, check us out on Twitter at Wizards Comics, on Instagram at Wizards underscore comics. And uh, we will always have something to share. And if you want to be a part of it, reach out to us. Maybe you got something you want to say about uh, the Fantastic Four movie. Maybe you're the son or daughter of one of the crew members. Comment below. Tell us what you know, because we'd love to hear it. Come on, Sue, we'll take a trip to space. We're gonna be exposed to cosmic rays Is it just me or baby do you feel strange too? Genetic codes mutating can it be true? The world can't seem to see you anymore You've gone invisible find those eyes of yours you're not invisible not to me Stretching myself thin just to 
keep it together Our destinies are changing Now and forever The world can't seem to see you anymore You've gone invisible That was the final episode of our Fantastic Four mini-series. As always, thank you so much for listening, watching, and enjoying the Wizards podcast. You can find us at wizards underscore comics on Instagram. You can find us on our TeePublic store or here on YouTube at Wizards Podcast. We've got a lot of great stuff coming in the next couple of weeks and months. 2021, we've got some big plans. We're promoting our new Patreon, which we're working out all the details for, but we'll be dropping that information soon. We've got tons of mini episodes, special guests, and we're going to work on some really cool things for all you fans out there for watching our show and listening to our show and enjoying this journey through Wizard Magazine as we have as well. As always, don't forget to keep your books bagged and boarded. Thanks for watching. (laughs) We're we're getting a call from the negative zone. Hello, Michael. Yep, we yep. We got it. We're we're recording right now, so this is part of the show. This is Patreon content. We'll just cut this out. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. Bye. All right, all right, all right, all right. Back back to the uh, neutral zone. Yes, we're back. So you can find us at Wizards Comics on Instagram. Nope. You can find us at Wizards Podcast on Twitter at wizards underscore at wizards underscore and uh, until next time keep your books bagged and boarded
has been a presentation of the Retro Network.